You coming, Michael? Yeah, yeah, I'm coming. Just wait till I get my boots on. Because, uh, like in St George, you don't get too far without your boots on, eh? There's too, too much um, bullheads and, and goatheads about for that. Even so, when we're getting ourselves ready, the very last thing that we usually do is put our boots on, as, as Robin's just said. But things are different if you're a soldier on the front line. When you're a soldier on the front line, even when you're asleep, you've got your boots on. Because uh, if the enemy suddenly storms your camp, the last thing you want to do is just say, hold on, just going to put my boots on before we start fighting back. See, a soldier on the front line is in a constant state of readiness. And when it comes to the armour of God, probably the least appreciated and it might seem like the least spectacular piece of the armour are the shoes or the sandals. And the shoes symbolise readiness. Okay, now we've been working our way through, um, the, gospel, through the, the letter to the Ephesians and we've gotten to this section on the spiritual armour of God and this is about the, probably the fourth week, I think, that we've spent on the spiritual armour of God. Um, so we've, we gave it an overview of the spiritual battle because we are in a spiritual battle. Um, that we don't battle against things of flesh and blood but against the principalities and powers. Now, this is a very real personal battle because there is, we have a very personal God and there is a very personal devil and his demons. Um, okay, but when it comes to the armour of God, sometimes the, the bit that we think of the least are the shoes of readiness. Um, but readiness for what? Some Bible versions put it as readiness to stand firm. Others put it as readiness to proclaim the gospel. Some put it as preparedness by the gospel. But what the Bible actually says, all it really says is having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Uh, it doesn't actually specify what the readiness is. Uh, we, we know where the readiness comes from. It comes from the gospel of peace. But readiness for what? Well, I think at this stage we might have to use our own thinking a little bit. Um, what does a soldier have to be ready for? Well, to, they have to be ready to stand firm. We've already been told that in, this, in that scripture is stand firm. Um, a soldier has to be ready to fight. Now, it doesn't actually use the word fight there, but it's certainly implied when it talks about a spiritual battle, these things that we're up against. But a soldier has to be ready for more than that. A soldier has to be ready for whatever he's ordered to do. It's readiness to obey, readiness to serve and to do so unquestioningly. After the floods, we were cleaning up at Warrawee at the old folks' home and, and I saw something that happened that, that it, I, I found it really amusing. Uh, we were working with the army and there was a lieutenant and a sergeant and a bunch of privates and lance corporals and corporals. Anyway, about halfway, halfway through the day, I noticed this private following along behind one of the officers and he was just two steps behind everywhere he went. So if the officers turned left... Two steps later, he'd turn left. If the officer turned right, two steps later, he'd turn right. If the officer stopped, he'd stop. If the officer started, he started. And he's carrying some innocuous looking item. I'm not sure what it was, a clipboard or something. Anyway, the officer all of a sudden did a U-turn and almost ran into this young fella. And he said, what are you doing? He said, sir, you told me to follow you with this, sir. And he held up this thing. I'm not sure what it was. And, um, and the officer says... Are you still doing that? He says, yes, sir. 
And now, if we were in our workplace and, and there was an ordinary boss-employee relationship, we'd say, don't you have enough common sense, you know, that you know I've finished with that? But he couldn't do that, you see. Because this soldier was doing exactly what he'd been trained to do. He'd been trained that when his officer gives him an order, he begins following that order out immediately and unquestioningly and he will continue to follow that order until, he's, until that order's rescinded, until he's told to stop. And so his lieutenant says, um, very good, well, go and do such and such with those fellows over there now. And he couldn't chastise him because that was exactly what he'd been trained to do. He knew what it was meant, how soldiers were supposed to be with his commanding officer. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, part of our spiritual armour is a readiness, a willingness, a preparedness to follow God's orders, to obey them immediately and to follow them unquestioningly and to serve him gladly. That's readiness. Now, I first began to fully understand readiness when I did a Bible study by the name of Experiencing God, written by Henry Blackaby. In it, he asked the question, do you think that God might call you to a costly adventure of faith? And given that, that he'd um, just spent a whole week explaining that God calls all of us to a costly adventure of faith. He calls all of us to serve him and, it, and whenever God calls you to follow him or, or to serve him in some way, it's always going to cost you. It'll cost you personally, it'll cost you physically, it might cost you financially, it might cost you in all sorts of ways. It'll cost you in time. So he spent a whole week telling us that, yes, this is what happens. Then he gives us a yes, no answer. Do you think that you might be called by God to a costly adventure of faith? Well, of course, the answer has to be yes. I hope you understand that, that God will call you and does call you to a costly adventure of faith. And then he asked, how will you respond to God when he calls you to a costly commitment? And the two choices he gave us was, yes, Lord, or no, that costs too much. And we're forced that we, we had to make the choice between those two things. We had to make the decision. And then he said, you may think that that last question is a little premature. Not really. That is what the Lordship of Christ is all about. You should be able to answer the last question without having knowing anything about what God may call you to. Your whole life should be lived with the attitude of, Lord, whatever you may ask of me today or in my future, the answer is yes. He said, come to the place in your life where you are willing to surrender all to him. Readiness is to make that commitment to God Lord, the answer is yes. I don't even know what the order is yet. But whatever that order may be, whatever the direction, whatever the commandment, even before you give it, I'm already saying yes. So, when he says, Michael, I want you to serve in this way. He says, Roy, I want you to go to this place. When he says, Jared, I want you to give this up. Um, I want you to give up your life for me. We don't even have to think about it because we've already, when we made Jesus Lord, we've already said, whatever it comes, 
I'm already saying yes, right here, right now. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to go through what ramifications it's going to have on my family. If I know that you're calling me to serve you, I'm saying yes. Right now I'm deciding to say yes, I will go. Or yes, I will stay, if that's what you say. Yes, I will share the good news. Yes, I will serve. Yes, I will give. Yes, I will sacrifice. Yes, I will stand. Yes, I will love. Yes, I will forgive. Yes, I will suffer. Yes, I will die. Yes, I will obey whatever you command. Just let me know what it is, Lord, and I've already said yes. That is what readiness is. Readiness to obey even before you know what the order is. Now, I want you to notice where the readiness comes from. I've been working as a minister now for um, 10 years. Uh, Robin just reminded us the other day, a few days ago, she said, you realise it's 10 years to the day since we moved to St George? And, well, there you go. Um, But let me just share with you... uh, the honest truth about one of the biggest struggles, the biggest burdens that a pastor or a minister carries. It's how to get the flock motivated. That's one of the biggest burdens. How do you get the flock motivated? Not so that we can just get things done just for the sake of getting them done, but so that the whole congregation, not just a few, are using their physical talents and their spiritual gifts in the service of God. Because this is extremely important. It's important for the growth of the church, but it's not only the growth of the church, it's each of our own spiritual growth, our own spiritual development of each one of us, each member of the congregation. Because you're not going to grow in God unless you're serving him. And as we're learning here today, you're not going to be protected by the armour of God unless you've got this readiness And I've watched the way different church leaders try to motivate people and, and I've been there myself and it's very tempting to use guilt and, and, um, and try and shame people into service. Come on, if this church is going to grow, we've all got to be pulling our weight. You know, we've, we've all got to be working. You know, notice you haven't been not on any rosters and you know, we can do the guilt thing. Well, you, know, you might, hit, might have heard it said, you know, this church is just like a game of football. There's 26 men out on the field desperately in need of the rest and, and a thousand people in the grandstands desperately in need of some exercise. You know, we, we, we sort of do the guilt thing and, and we try to shame people. And maybe you've been shamed into serving God. Maybe that's been a motivation to get you started. Or maybe you serve because you feel that you might be letting somebody else down if, if you're not doing it. Or maybe you feel it's your duty. But then there's another way of motivating the flock and it's called flattery where you get people to do stuff by giving them the big pump me up. Oh, you're so great. You're so awesome. You know, oh, you're the best person in the world. I, I, God's really put it on my heart that, that you are the perfect person for this job and, and you've got such awesome gifts and talents and oh, it's going to be amazing. And people step up because they feel really good about themselves. And so some people serve because they feel guilty or because they feel bad about themselves and they're being shamed into it. And some people are motivated because they feel really good about themselves because somebody's appealed to the sense of pride and that's what drives them to keep going. Here's an idea. What about if we were to serve God 
because we feel really good about God. The shoes of readiness come from the gospel of peace. It's not guilt. It's not shame. It's not duty. It's not the big pump me up feel good ego trip. It's valuing so highly the gospel of peace. It's feeling so good about God and what God has done that readiness becomes a very natural response that we make to God's grace and to what we've experienced in God. It's feeling so good about God that you'll do anything for him as soon as he asks. That is the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Uh, As I said before, we've been working our way through this letter to the Ephesians. And something I shared in the introduction to the um, spiritual armour was that there's nothing new in this last section. Paul's actually summing up everything that's already come in in this letter to the Ephesians. So each of the pieces of armour, he's already talked about truth, in the letter. He's already talked about salvation in the letter. He's already talked about the word of God in the letter. Here we find he's already talked about the gospel. He's already talked about the good news in the letter. And it's right back at the start of the letter. So it's months ago that we covered this. And what we find right back at the start was he's saying basically... He's showing us how much our status has changed through Christ. He says, before Christ, these aren't his words, but it's a way of summing them up, we were God-forsaken and good for nothing. Because right at the start, he's drawing the thing, saying, you know, you lot, you once were Gentiles. You were cut off from God. You weren't God's people. You didn't belong. You were nobodies. You're God-forsaken and good for nothing. But now the gospel, the good news, is that through Christ all of that has changed. We have now been brought near. We were cut off from God. We were excluded from his company, but not anymore. And when we realise just how amazing this transformation is, that we've moved from darkness to light, that we've moved from death and we've entered into life, that we once were strangers to God, but now we're in a loving relationship with him, that we were objects of wrath, but now he's changed us into a new creation, when we realise that we, together as a church, we're not just nobodies and we're not just incidental to whatever God is doing, but we are actually integral to God's purposes because he takes all of us together and uses us to his glory. When we start to realise this amazing change, we should start to feel pretty good about God. And readiness to obey in God's service flows as a natural response to this amazing grace. When we began this little sub-series on God's armour a few weeks ago, I said we were going to concentrate on the spiritual significance of each of the pieces of armour. Righto. What is the spiritual significance of readiness? We're in a battle of good versus evil. A battle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers, against Satan and his demons. 
when God leads us to serve him in some way, how does Satan want us to answer God? No. Well, because the devil is very much into half-truths, it's just as good for him to get us to say, not yet. A bit of lack of commitment. But what we have to understand is when God speaks... This is God's timing. When God gives us an order, when God leads us to service, that's when he wants us to serve. In God's timing, not in ours. Imagine how the army would go if, if um, you know, the, the um, sergeant gives a private an order and he says, yeah, I'll do that in a day or two. By then they've been overrun by the enemy, haven't they? And so sometimes when God leads us to serve, it's very tempting for us to use delaying tactics. Yeah, Lord, I I know that you're calling me to teach RE, but I just don't have time at the moment. Lord, I I know you want me to invite so-and-so to church, uh, but I just don't think the time's right just yet. Lord, I know you want me to share my faith with with my workmate, but I feel a bit awkward at the moment. Maybe I might just leave it a little bit more because I'm only a reasonably new Christian and and when I know a bit more, then I'll share my faith with them. Lord, I know you want me to dig deep every week and, and to tithe to you to support ministries and missions where you're at work, but I've really got to pay off this loan first before I start giving any money away. And so we delay Delayed obedience has another name. What is it? Disobedience. A lot of us Christians, we're all dressed up in the armour of God. We believe the truth and nobody is ever going to sway us from the truth of, of what we know about Jesus Christ. We have the righteousness of Christ. We know that when we confess our sins... God didn't only take our sins away, he gave the righteousness of Christ to us and so we know that when God looks upon us, he he sees us pure and holy in his sight. We depend on our salvation of God. We we know that nothing that we do can get us to heaven, that it's only through what Christ did for us on the cross and we trust in him for that. We know the word of God. We read our Bibles, we study them, we go to Bible studies, we, we listen intently to the sermon and we just love to hear God's word and we know it. We have faith. We have faith in Jesus Christ and God has led us to trust in him through, through thick and thin. And so we've got all of this armour of God and that's all very good and nice and it's like we're dressed up with no place to go. Only there is a place to go. We're just not getting there because we haven't put our shoes of readiness on. And God is ordering us to mission but we haven't had the willingness to obey. And there is the spiritual battle. Remember just how much God has done for you. Value the good news of the new life that you have in Christ. Be excited about it. Be ready to share it. And be ready to obey. My prayer is that we would never be a congregation where we have to put the guilt trip on one another or shame one another into serving God. 
And probably worse than that, I never want us to be a congregation where we have to do the big personal pump me up to appeal to one another's pride and vanity to get people serving God. My prayer is that each one of us, me and you alike, would be so aware of the mighty work that God has done in us. You know, if we've been brought up in a Christian family, or if we've been a Christian for a lot of years, sometimes our love for God can grow cold. Sometimes our appreciation of what God has actually done for us grows cold. And my prayer is that we would just become more and more aware and more and more thankful to God for what God has done in our hearts and for the change that he's brought, not, not just in us, but in our status with him. So much so that we would say it and mean it, yes, Lord, whatever you say, whatever you command, the answer is already and undoubtedly yes, yes. That's readiness. And a church filled with this kind of readiness is a church that will be strong for God. It's a church in which Satan cannot stand. Wouldn't the angels in heaven rejoice to see the children of God across this town of St George and this district filled with that kind of readiness? Without readiness, we're weak and vulnerable. The church will never be strong unless we have readiness. But, If we just serve out of shame or guilt or because we've had the big personal pump me up, we'll be in a constant danger of burnout. But if you're serving because you just love God so much and you'd do anything for him, that is a commitment that will last. Just as we were reading that this morning, something jumped out at me there, something that I I should have noticed earlier to say. Um, Back towards the start of this little sub-series on the the spiritual armour, I talked about what it means to pray in the spirit. And basically what it means to pray in the spirit is not just to pray for all the physical things that we see going on, but to realise the spiritual reality behind the physical things that we see going on. And so to pray in the spirit is when we see this spiritual reality and pray about that instead of praying about the presenting symptom. And it occurred to me as we were doing the reading, I should have, should have brought this into the message, um, that if we feel that we're not serving. You know, if we just feel, oh, I don't really want to serve, it's just, it's just the, I just feel guilty because I don't. Or, oh, yeah, okay, now that so-and-so's really given me a, a big cheering squad, yes, I'll, I'll serve. What's the spiritual reality behind that? The spiritual reality behind that is love and appreciation of God and what God has done for me. The spiritual reality is, I don't. If I'm finding I don't have enough time to serve God, the problem isn't a, isn't a, a time, physical time problem. It's a spiritual problem. 
And the spiritual reality is, I don't appreciate God enough. So how do we pray in the Spirit to rectify the situation? Pray, Lord, I recognise that I'm not appreciating you in the way that I should. Lord, fill me with a love for you. Just fill me with a joy for what you've done. Lord, and, and Lord, help me to understand just how enormous this thing is that you've done for me, that Christ died for me. That's how we pray in the Spirit. We recognise what's going on in the spirit world. Not just the physical symptoms, but the spiritual cause behind it. And we pray for that.